Daily Drive is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses continue to work together to make a difference now and shape the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Jamie Butters, Chief Content Officer at Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, August 13, 2021. Is the road to an EV future paved with hybrids? When President Joe Biden announced his hope that half of U.S. light vehicles would be electric-powered by 2030, it was paired with aggressive targets to boost fuel economy. The Department of Transportation said it would increase fuel efficiency standards by 8% a year for model years 2024 to 2026, increasing the fleet-wide average by 12 miles per gallon for model year 26 compared with 2021. Richard Truitt, a veteran reporter and our in-house expert on how cars actually work, wondered how automakers could meet the new targets when so much has already been done to make internal combustion cars more efficient and EVs aren't yet ready for mass markets. What he will explain in a page one story in Monday's issue of Automotive News is that converting to electric power is less like a switch and more like a dial. I reached Richard at his home in Metro Detroit. Richard Truitt, welcome to Daily Drive. Oh, thanks for having me. So the president is calling for some pretty big jumps in average fuel economy. How are automakers going to meet those standards? Are they going to have to stop selling big pickups? No. But the pickups that they do sell might not be configured the way they are today. I think that um, uh, for our audience who's been paying close attention to product development, we'll have noticed that the Ram 1500 now can be bought with a hybrid powertrain, that Ford's got the Power Boost F-150 out there with a hybrid powertrain. And I think that um, based on some reporting that I, I did speaking with uh, experts in the on the matter that we're going to see a proliferation of hybrids like we've never seen before. Really, hybrids, even when it seems like all of the hype and excitement in the industry is about electric vehicles. Like you'd think everybody is going to go out and buy, you know, a a Hummer EV pickup or a a Ford F-150 Lightning. You would think that based on the amount of investment that we're seeing um, in the electric vehicle space. But the, the unanswered question with that is, What's the consumer acceptance going to be? And for some automakers, the, they view hybrids as sort of the bridging technology to get to full electrics. In other words, hybrids will give the infrastructure time to build out for charging stations and for battery suppliers and whatnot. And also, I think there's a financial part of it, too. If you're a car company and you've invested hundreds of millions, maybe even billions in and fuel-efficient powertrains from the Obama era, are you going to want to pull the blinds down on those plants and make a quick switch over? Are you going to try to amortize those investments over some more years? I think that might be part of it, too. Yeah, well, and on the cost side, you know, the electric vehicles are still really expensive to make, uh, and there's only so so much of a market for $100,000 pickups. That's true. (laughs) You need something that people can afford to buy and uh, and own. But yep. Realistically, I mean, with a hybrid, how much more do they cost to make? Is it like $1,000 more or 2000 and then you, you earn that back in less spending on gasoline over 
a year or five? Well, it, a lot of it depends on the configuration of the powertrain. Um, hybrids are, no matter either be it a mild hybrid or a full hybrid or a plug-in, it's always going to be more expensive because essentially you're putting two powertrains in a car, not one. So there's costs for electric motors and batteries and power electronics and all that stuff. It's not cheap. Um, GM quit hybrids because they couldn't make money off off them like the, with the Chevrolet Volt and um, the Cadillac ELR and some others that they had out. They they couldn't make money off it. And so it's a tough, it, unless you get a lot of high volume like Toyota has previously with the Prius, it's tough to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Prius is the Prius is such a was such an exceptional success. I, it makes it uh, seem really challenging that that's going to be the way. It almost seems like it is hard hard to imagine an industry of all hybrids as it is uh, an industry of all EVs. Yeah, it, it does seem that way, and and you know we've we've seen an uptick in fuel prices recently, but in the last five or six years, we've had really cheap fuel and that hasn't helped the case for hybrids at all. I think it's helped, if anything, shift to heavier trucks and and big SUVs. And so I think based on what I've heard is that we're going to, we'll see a lot of hybrid powertrains in those type of vehicles. And I think that um, it won't be uncommon to see like a uh, GMC Denali or a a Ford uh, Expedition get something like 25 to 30 miles per gallon on the highway. Wow, that would be quite a quite an improvement. Yep. So talk us through some of the history. President Barack Obama had gathered all the automakers, almost all the automakers, to uh, set, you know get their their buy-in and uh, and you know really embrace progress toward you know fifty four point five miles per gallon. I think was the target, but you know fifty fifty plus. And they were setting that goal almost ten years ago. Yeah, uh, and and how did how did that work out? It was sort of a, a slow ramp, and then it was supposed to jump, but it that got derailed uh, uh, by the elections. But what happened first? Right, we saw a lot of improvement in fuel economy. Well, you know, there might have been a little bit of bitching way back in 2012 when when those fuel economy numbers were first unveiled. That was a not quite a moonshot, but it was definitely something that was going to get you off the earth and into space because. You know, back then, uh, any kind of fuel economy gain would have cost a lot of money. And, uh, you know, we saw trucks that would get 12 miles per gallon and, and whatnot. And nowadays, you, uh, you can get a, a GM or, a, or a, a Ram pickup truck that gets 30 miles per gallon or more. So it, it was definitely what happened was. There was a lot of money spent on powertrains from 2012 to till today, based on those Obama rules. And the gains were, I would say, pretty spectacular. We saw new generations of very fuel-efficient engines that had all sorts of very high-tech things going on inside of them. You know, computer-controlled cooling systems and water water pumps and oil pumps and dual cooling circuits and offset crankshafts and all sorts of funky business going on with the valve train. I mean, a lot of money was spent. And that sort of put us up to where we are today. That technology is still viable. Now, if you marry that technology with with a hybrid powertrain, uh, you'll start to see even more benefits. So um, that's why I think that 
there wasn't a lot of carping this time with with the new fuel economy standards. I think that the automakers have realized that you know it, it may it may be an expensive engineering bill, but society uh, is is in a, in a sense demanding that we take the vehicle off off the um, agenda for climate change. In other words, it can't be the cause of it. And I think most people, or some people at least, are are willing to pay extra for a cleaner, more efficient vehicle. Yeah, you're talking about all the money being spent in those uh, Obama years. It was remarkable the way uh, fuel economy increased so much and so much innovation was happening, pretty much everything except electrification. Uh, right. Maybe I'm, I, I'm being a little hyperbolic. There were a few hybrids uh, added to the market, but it, it was a lot of downsizing engines and adding other technology. I mean, superchargers and, and turbo boosters and all the lightweighting, right? That was all the when we saw the aluminum F-150 come out. We did. And, and you know, it's, it's an interesting thing happened too. It wasn't just, it wasn't just the, the engine that got better, but, but automakers spent money improving transmissions. We saw the standard four-speed go to a six, go to an eight, go to a nine, go to a 10. We saw more CVT transmissions. We saw hydraulic power steering, which had been in cars since the 1940s, be replaced by electric power steering. And so there were so many innovations that were made in the last 10 years that that I'm not going to say that these new fuel economy rules will let automakers coast a little bit, but the engineering bill is not going to be as as uh, as high as it was previously. I think now that if if the answer is to just hybridize, then I think that the automakers are pretty much set up to do that. We'll be back with automotive news reporter Richard Truitt right after this. Innovation, resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Did you talk to some people who, uh, some suppliers who are still anticipating further improvements in uh, in some of the incremental technologies as well? Yes, absolutely. I spoke with, uh, um, first I spoke with Lindsay Brook, who is, um, is the editor of the SAE magazine, the Society of Automotive Engineers. And he also has an interesting job in that he gets to read or has to read or gets to read all the technical papers that engineers present to SAE. And he told me that um, around 800 technical papers were submitted last year that dealt with just improving the efficiency of the gasoline engine or the internal combustion engine. And there's a lot of thinking and a lot of um, creativity and maybe, I wouldn't say low-hanging fruit, but maybe some gains to be made. And so I spoke with a supplier who is um, uh, in an interesting place. They make they make fuel injection equipment, which is um, probably seen as maybe not in the same vein as just yet as maybe a linotype repairman or a blacksmith, but it's obviously one of those um, technologies that probably doesn't have a very long time to live in terms of decades, right? But this company is is um, investing its R&D into making fuel injection systems better and, and working with companies to help them 
make gasoline engines more efficient because there's this time period that we're in before EVs um, displace the fuel, the, the gasoline engine. And there's a, the thinking is that, that if we can make improvements in the gasoline engine 1% here, 2% there, it'll add up enough to keep them relevant until the public is ready to buy electric vehicles in, in high volumes. So this transition, right? We've got, we've, we've uh, got, we keep bringing more power, uh, more goody out of the, out of gasoline engines. Uh, we're, we've adding, we're adding some hybrids and uh, even mild hybrids and full hybrids. The one that I still struggle with is the plug-in hybrid. I feel I still have this debate in my own head about whether it's the worst of both worlds or the best of both worlds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> obviously, it depends a lot on how you drive, how unpredictable maybe your life is, uh, how short your average commute is. But I feel like the consumer, it, it doesn't know what to make out of them and uh, you know doesn't seem to love them yet. But it, it seems like that's also we we almost are going to need that to be an important stepping stone to you know the time when EVs are economically competitive. You know, I think you're right, and uh, you know, as a personal anecdote, we had three Chevrolet Volts over the, over the last few years, plug-in hybrid, and my wife was driving that car, and her it it made perfect sense for her. Her commute was maybe ten miles a day. She might have bought it tank of gas once every two or three months. And it, it worked fine for that. It, it really, it, it, it's a, a consumer use kind of, you know, case to see if it fits. But, but I think the one thing that's lacking is that if you look at the education that the automakers have offered to consumers, they think they've really done a poor job in explaining all these technologies and, and, and how, to, how to make them work for, for, for consumers, for each person, like what's the best fit. I mean, that's a really tough job, too, because how do you convey all that in a 30-second commercial, right? But the, the education, I think, has been lacking. And I, I do think that that's going to change as the um, powertrain landscape changes, too, because it's not going to be a simple matter of just putting gas in your car going forward, right? There's going to be, there's going to be some plugging in. There's going to be pure, you know, um, a combination of electric and gas and maybe even some hydrogen fuel cell stuff. It's going to get a lot more complicated. It's it just remains to be seen how how the the public is going to be educated on what works best for them. Yeah, it is a challenge. You want to uh, get people excited about something new, uh, but you don't want to trash your current product, yeah. <laughs> especially when you're going to be selling it for many more years. And if you don't make as much money on the new stuff, then that really discourages. Uh, uh, the that marketing, but as you said, we're getting to the point where it's it just has to happen, and and they need to not get left out. You know, one thing we didn't mention yet was that little that that fella out there in California named Mr. Elon Musk, who who found he cracked he found the code and 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 figured out that if you if you make an electric car that performs really well and make it easy for people to charge it up, that there's a market for it. And so uh, all credit to, to Elon Musk for, for figuring it out that the, a way to do it that Detroit never could. Yeah, he's got uh, some cars that, that people really want. So that, that always helps. Richard, thanks so much for sharing your time and, and your thoughts. We look, uh, look forward to reading the full story in, uh, in Monday's paper. All right. Thank you. 
That's Daily Drive for August 13. For the latest news on the auto industry, type in autonews.com. And for a complete catalog of more than 300 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. Thanks for listening. We'll be back Monday.